Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. What up, y'all? It's Laia. And we are back with part two of our interview with the incredible, incomparable, trailblazing Robert Towson. Y'all know this conversation is everything I love about Questlove Supreme. It's funny, informative, and like so heartfelt. Last week, Robert spoke about his inroads to comedy and acting as he delighted us all with a bunch of impersonations. He spoke about working on The Warriors, the movie y'all, nearly joining SNL, and a deep dive into how he made Hollywood shuffle with a dream and a credit card. So now we're back for part two. Join us as we celebrate Black History Month with an American treasure. Robert Townsend, part two, taped in studio at iHeart Hollywood. Enjoy, y'all. Once the, the once the success of, of the film brings you to this platform, what's your internal feelings? Because oftentimes when a person has like that type of success out the box. I mean, we, we could say this is the Illmatic Nas situation or whatever. <laughs> right. Like the follow-up, getting over the mountain. Like, wh- in your mind, what are you envisioning your next step to be? You, you know what's funny is that I, I, I've always known exactly what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And then it's just that when you, like when, after Hollywood Shuffle, I was being offered everything in the universe. Every project, every script, every da 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 da. What was being offered to you? Um, it was all kinds of bad comedies. It was like <laughs> a lot of bad stuff that I wouldn't want to do, and so I was like, you know, when people go like, "Well, this you, you haven't made a lot of films. This is funny," and then it's like, "No, it's not funny." And and you're dealing with TV Guide because I grew up on television, so there's a certain. I, I have What's my money to them. Yeah. And so I was being offered everything, but there was nothing that spoke to me. And the one story that I wanted to do when I was a kid in Chicago in 1968, Herb Kent, the cool gent, gets on the radio and says, 
the temptations are breaking up and David Ruffin is leaving the group. And I, that was my favorite group. And so I was like, what, what happened? This is wrong, blah, blah, blah. And so right. then <laughs> that kind of stayed in my head. And so my thing was, you know, I told Keenan, I said, we could do a story. I wasn't, you know, arrogant enough to say we could get the temptation story. I said, let's, let's make our own movie, but I want to know what happened. Right. I want to know what happened to that singing group. Why did they break up? You know, because I was devastated as a kid. I just remember looking at the the radio and I was like going, what? Why did he leave and what? You know, and then that took me on the journey for the next movie. But all the stuff that they were offering me, there was nothing that I was really like, you know, mm, eh. With the five heartbeats, you, uh, at, at the end credits, you mentioned the Dells. Yes. Kind of, how involved were they in, you know, with making a movie with you and how much of the story is from their personal kind of experience. So so let me give you the backstory behind the the the, the film. I did a documentary on it. It's called Making the Five Heartbeats. So oh, yeah. the whole the whole thing that I would say is that initially I wanted David Ruffin and Eddie Kendricks to be the technical advisors. Mm. And so I had reached out to them and David he was going through his drug thing. He was he was struggling. And right. so I went to meet with him and you know he was strung out a little bit. And Keenan and I, we said, hey, once the film gets green lit, we're going to put him in rehab. We'll just pay for it and just take care of him and blah, blah, blah. So that's our, that was our plan because I told Keenan, uh, man, David doesn't look good. And he was doing that snorting and all that. And right. I could just tell. And so we were going to, you know, uh, take care, you know, put, you know, put him in rehab. So anyway, the studio, Joe Roth, finally green lights the movie. And so I go, hey, I got David Ruffin and Eddie Kendricks. And then he goes, no. And I said, well, why not? And he says, because everybody's going to think it's the Motown story. Mm. And you got that big red character. And so they're going to say, Very oh, horny. the Temptations. And you're going to get lawsuits up the wazoo because people are going to say, oh, this is the Motown story. Because right. you got these two as your technical advisors. And so then at that point, I had to say no to them, which broke my heart. And then... Um, they were saying, who else would you want to be technical advisors? And then that's when the Dells, you know, I said the Dells, and then the Dells. Um, God, you knew Marvin Jr. That's crazy. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> Yo, man. Like, I, I I was born, so I wasn't born at a Dells concert, but my mom, like, damn near on the eighth, ninth month, I'm like, I started kicking at Adele's concert, and so are you serious? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was in, I was in the womb, but yeah, I mean, I grew up like I'm, I grew up in the Charles Stephanie period of the Adele, so like how sweet can funk be and all. But yeah, Marvin Jr. Like to me, yeah. Even knowing like the briefly, like my dad knew Teddy Pendergrass, whatever. Like Teddy would even say like, "That's his North Star." Like, what what was it? What was it like just? Dealing with it because the world does not know about the Dells and how so, powerful so, they are. So let me. So the Dells, you know, my favorite singing group. People know "Oh What a Night" is one of their big, big, big right. songs, and Marvin singing the long note. And at first, they got pushed back from that record because they go, "This record is too long." But the DJs eventually loved it because they could take a break, and people love that long note, right. and then the whole thing. So. The first meeting with the Dells could have been the last meeting because uh, they were at the Will Turn Theater, and I was like, oh, they're, they, you know, like after the whole thing happened with the Temptations, I was like, they're in town. So I go, I'll go talk to them. Now, I don't know how to interview people, so I was never like that. So we 
I do my research before I go there. On their first album cover, they weren't on the cover. It's a white couple walking along Michigan Avenue looking so in love. And so I'm like, and they're on the back in a little square this big. And so then I was like, that's kind of messed up their first album. And I was like, that's kind of weird. So anyway, I go to the Will Turn. They're getting ready for the show. They're all in their white bathrobes and they're putting their makeup on and just chilling and everything. And so they're all friendly and nice. Robert Towns is coming to see us, man. Robert Towns, hey, how you doing, Robert? How you doing? And so then we're talking. And so then I'm looking at them and I'm like going, I said, hey, man. Uh, I'm trying to do this movie. I want to get it real about how groups were treated, how much money you made. And I could see their faces changing in the mirror. And I was like, okay, I just said something wrong. And so then they were like, yeah, man, yeah, we made money. Yeah, we did. We did. And so then they're continuing to talk. And then I said, your album cover. I said, why weren't y'all on the front page of the album cover? And I don't know. I just, because I was, I had just looked at it. And so then in the mirror, now they're in their 70s, late 60s. And I see Marvin Jr. go. And I go, oh, man, Rob, you shouldn't have brought that up. And then he goes, uh, you know, they made a decision, and, and we just decided that, you know, that's how they was going to go. And then all of a sudden, it was Vern. Right. And Vern says, they wanted us to cross over. They said it would be good for our audience, you know. And then, then, then I forgot. Mickey said, you know, yeah, because they couldn't, they, they, you know, they could hear our music, but white people don't want to see our faces. And so they started going back and forth. And then I was like, and I was in the mirror right now. Right, down. right. I was I'm like, because like, 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 the crossover ain't crossover nothing ain't but the, the double the, cross. <laughs> that came from them. And wow. so as they were going through it, and it kind of broke my heart because. They were old, older men, but then and when I was looking through the mirror, because I was sitting back while they were all at the mirrors, but they couldn't, they could see me, they couldn't see me. But then as I was looking at them, that memory was like it was yesterday. And I was like, oh my God, pain these was poor, still fresh. the pain, because then, then Mickey said, yeah, man, we went to the barbershop and they clowned us hard, man. Everybody at the barbershop was like, what is this bullshit? We felt so disrespected and da 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 da, but then you know they made it up to us and blah 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 blah. But so that's how that's how the Dells, yeah, and that's what the Dells gave me. So how much of Johnny Carter's life was in uh, the high voice? Uh, uh, oh, uh, choir, choir boy, boy? Choir, choir yeah. boy, yeah. We just took pieces of different, you know. It, it, it you know, every, let me say this: the the thing of the church and. Secular music has always been there, so everybody dealt with that. So that's why we, you know, it was that, you know, and which is real, you know, like, hey, you can't serve two masters, you know. So all hey man, of that was yo, real. The actor, the actor you cast for, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but you also he also played your dad, I think. In uh, oh, David uh, McKnight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David played, McKnight. Uh, and um, he was in uh, Hollywood Shuffle, but then also he played Choir Boy's dad. Yeah, in, uh, that's David he, McKnight. David, McKnight. no, I love him as an. He actor, was the man. first actor. Pay Moon Rami, he entered, when I was in college and I was in speech contest in college, uh, the first time I came to Los Angeles, he was the first person to show me around, David McKnight. And he had just finished a movie called JD's Revenge. Yes! yes. He was the bad guy. Yes. He was the bad guy. He was yeah, JD. He was the bad guy. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Man, I, wait, do you have another? I have so many. But, uh, Go ahead. Now, final, I guess, final five heartbeats question. One of the things I remember about that movie, it, it wasn't even so much about the movie. I remember, because this, Five Hobbies, what, 91? 91, 91. yes, sir. I yes, was sir. 12, all right? So I'm watching Teen Summit. 
Hey. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, you know, back then I would just go to the movies. Like my mother would just let me go to the movies by myself. I'd just go watch. And so I went and saw Five Heartbeats, and I, I'm like, oh, my God, this is the greatest movie ever. You know what I mean? So then later on I see you guys on Teen Summit, and you're like, yo, y'all need to support it. We need whatever. And it really kind of cracked the facade. I was like, oh, wow, like this is is it not successful like how is it not this movie is amazing but i really appreciated just how real y'all kept it i remember you and um michael wright i think mm -hmm. he was with it, and they was just like yo like you know we need to support this and you were talking about the marketing and that was just something that you know seeing black artists on a platform like bet talking so openly about the struggles that y'all were having on a movie that was in theaters you yeah. know what I mean? Like, that shit was big, you know what I mean? And so I just want you to talk about that, man, and kind of what happened. You know, you know, here's a, you know, let me just say this. Um, the Five Heartbeats, that's the madness of Townsend on the highest level because I saw close to 10,000 people to be in that film. You know, I had auditions in three different cities and just, just trying to make it. Um... Uh, I'm I'm co-writing, I'm directing, I'm producing, I'm acting, and so I'm wearing all these hats, and then I'm playing music guy as well because I had to pick the music and the lyrics have to make sense and learn choreography. So it was like <laughs> one of the hardest things for me, but I loved every second of it. But um, again, it's that thing again of like, the marketing wasn't what I thought it was going to be, and I wasn't happy. And you know, this is my that was my second movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I'm I've always been like, ha, ah, you know, and so I lost the battle on the marketing. So when the film started to die, I was like, This can't be, this can't be. And um the film died, but it didn't die. It was just Did it, it yeah, I was like, Do you consider it cult classic? Because to me it's no, I, anytime that movie's on, I'm watching it. Yeah, period. No, I mean, I mean, I, I when I say it, it, it didn't the box office numbers, right? But I think because the marketing people didn't know what they were getting, so we didn't make any money. But then uh, now it's like over a billion, almost two billion clips shared worldwide because they sent me the numbers on like people will send the sister scene and they'll send Eddie King and then all the memes of gang and <laughs> we haven't does, finished yet. What does that mean for you monetarily though? That doesn't. That doesn't. It, well, the, the thing is that uh, it means. But see, here, so I'll put it like this: No, I do not make any money on the clips, but the brand is. I I was not wrong. You know, I mean, I have ideas sometimes, and I think my mind goes. You know, like I will create so many. Like right now in my brain, there's so many different shows and stuff that I'm working on, but they're all different. And I just, it's like there's a certain touch that I have. Like you can watch movies and. I, I design my movies in such a way that I want you to watch them again and again and again and again. If I if I've done it right, yeah. if I've done it right, you know, if I've added like even like movies that I just directed, like Baps. You know, there's yes. so many people that want to remake Baps. And I thought they happened. were. I thought there was a whole thing. There was, that's a whole other story. Okay, no, they're not right, remake, right. You know, okay. but they want to do it. But I, but it's not. It's not. It's got to be right. It's got to be right. Yeah. So ba Meteor Man. Um, Meteor Man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Is that you. The Little first? Richard. So wait, yeah. wait real quick, because I want to give props to the young youngin uh, that's doing our uh, makeup upstairs. Aaron, she said, "Wait, did Robert Townsend put the first black action hero on film?" Oh, and with I was the like, Meteor Man. Yeah, and I was like, did? Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, that, that was you see, the, the thing is that again, that's a Trojan horse. It's like uh, when my nephew was really little, uh, Greg Jr., and I was uh, in. I was coming back to Chicago, and it was like around Halloween, and I was like, "Who, who are you going to be for Halloween? Superman, Batman?" And he was like, "I, I can't be them because they're white." And I was, you know, and because like you grow up in the hood, there's a certain, you know, and I was like, no, that's wrong, man. Everybody can be a hero. You know, I like Superman. I like Batman. You could be whatever you want to be. Mm -hmm. And so then I said, oh, I'll create a hero that that looks like, you know, looks like him. Yeah. Man, what was it like having Luther Vandross like act? That's you like know, one can of the I only say yes. something? <laughs> Luther, please, you please. know, you know, like Luther. I well, that's a whole nother. Because when I got married, you know, it, it was like we we would only play Luther, go to Luther concerts, yeah. and all of that. So when I, I heard reached, he buses too. So. Huh? I heard we heard he's Johnny Yule said he's a hell of a busser, <laughs> like the dozens. Yes. yes. So no, but the thing that I would say is that, you know, when I said, "Hey, would you want to be in the movie?" Because I called him and he was working with Gregory Hines on an album or something. Yeah, they get, there's nothing better and, than love. Yeah. And and, and okay. so then I said, "Would you be in the movie?" And so then he goes, "You want me to be in the movie?" And I says, "Yeah, but I want you to play the bad guy and I want you to have a gun." And I <laughs> he says, I "Have a gun?" And so he was going through this whole thing and he goes, he says, "Are you serious?" And I said, "Yeah, we're just in pre-production." He says, "Can I? Will you give me six months?" And I was like, give you six months. And he was like, and I was like, if you need, you know, I was like, yeah, we'll be ready. But, you know, you know, I'll schedule around your schedule. He said, give me six months. And he was heavier then. And then he lost all that weight for the Little role. Yeah. So when he showed up, I that was, was like, like, skinny, skinny. No. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. right, 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 right. Yeah. I want yeah. you to be the big guy. Yeah. 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 No, but, but if he was perfect. But I mean, yeah, yeah. But he, he took it serious. He took wow. it really serious. And we were trying to do some other stuff. So it, was, it broke my heart when yeah. he passed. Oh, another um, actor. One thing I always appreciate you, like kind of like with Spike, where you have your kind of crew of actors mm -hmm. that you keep working with. Yes. Mm -hmm. And one guy that I always love, man, Roy Fagan. Roy Fagan um, is he, a beast. Dude, he was like, I met Roy. <laughs> bro, character? I was like, shoot, shoot, shoot. so he was. Um, Bird. Bird. Bird, Bird the Midnight, Midnight Falcon. Yes! He got dangled out the yes! room. Yes, 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 yes. So, Roy, bro, I met Roy. This was, man, I was a, a kid. I'm like 13 years old. And I went to, um, he was doing a play in my city in Greensboro, North Carolina. He was doing a play at, uh, it was at AT. Which is the HBCU in our city, and uh, he was on a play there. And I, afterwards, I just went down in the front row, and you know the cast came out, and I just started chopping up with him and talking about acting and like kind of like what is it like, what is it being. And he was just giving me game. He's like, oh man, you know, you seem like a smart kid. You know, you got a nice commercial look. You know what I mean? Like he was, he was cool, and um, I, I always respected that and remembered that. And I just wanted to know what was it like working with him because I always you know, loved y'all work together. Roy has been so. Roy was the. Uh, was the bad guy in Hollywood Shuffle that was like, don't sell out. Oh, you and, know? Then and, out. Right, and then he sold out. Right, then he sold out. Which really happened in real life. That's what something Keenan and I wrote because we were at an audition. This guy messed our heads up. He was like, brother, don't go in there, man. They trying to get some brother to sell out again. And me and Keenan like, really, really? And then he went in there with that same kind of energy. But no, Roy's just a great actor. I mean, you know, like even in Meteor Man playing the bad guy, yeah. you know, he's just a versatile, he's just a really versatile actor. Yeah, man, that's what's up. Can you talk about why you decided to do this in D.C.? There was a part of me that the whole thing of Washington justice, yeah. So I, that's why I wanted to, to ground episode. it there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, all right. From Atlanta last episode. So. <laughs> I was born at Howard University Hospital, sir. Okay, I, I, all right. So DC, I get it. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte Fontigolo from Team Supreme. 
Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Schmurter to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I want to talk raw, but it just hit me. Mm. He's responsible for probably one of my best-known songs in my canon. He's responsible for sometimes. Bilal? Mm. Okay, so here's here's the story. Bilal? Here's the story. Okay, okay. And it just hit me right now. You directed Carmen, Carmen the yes. hip-hop opera. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. So here's the deal. Now... You know, I'm doing residency at Electric Lady Studios, and basically, D'Angelo and I, you know, get along famously, form a friendship, and he's like, yo, when I make my second album, I need you to be my co-pilot. We're going to start working on the voodoo record. So from like 96 till eh, 2003, we set up in the house of Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix in the in the village, and that's our operation. So all these albums are coming there. The Roots are making their records there. D'Angelo's making his records. Erica Badu, anyone that's in that Soul Quarian, Neo Soul bubble. And so we're working on Common's Like Water for Chocolate album. And he's coming in with an extra pep in a step today. He's like, yo, man, 
He's like, I got I got an audition, man. It's, it's the order. Yo, man. I I'm I was like, what is it? And he's talking about, yeah, man. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be um an investigator, like a uh, in a cop in this hip hopper, and an uh, old girl gonna be in this too. And I'm like, who's old girl? <laughs> he said, you know, old, old girl from Bill's Bill Bill. Like, oh, Destiny Child, you want? Yeah, like we didn't know her name. Whatever. <laughs> and so, and so, we now the thing was. Even though I'm the guy who, I'm the planner, I'm the bridge, I'm the person that introduces people and all that stuff, it wasn't like my intent, but by year three, I realized like, okay, when I throw jam sessions, I'm bringing people together, and when I'm producing people, I'm bringing these musicians together, and I thought about it. I said, yo, if Common gets the, this, 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 this part in this role, then old girl, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring her into our world, like... I was like, all right, Beyonce, I'm, I'm going to bring her into our world. And so th think of the, the sitcom switch thing. So he comes in the next morning. He has like his sweater on, his tie, everything, his hat. Like he's coming to audition. He's not coming in his pajamas. Like, you know, we'll sleep there for five, six hours, whatever. And so Common, he's coming in all excited. Like, yeah, man, I'm going to knock this audition out, whatever. And we're like, all right, good luck, good luck. And we're looking like, you know, you think he's going to get it? He's like, no, we ain't going to get it. But anyway, so <laughs> think, of, think of the sitcom switch where it's like, you can Switch and he comes back and all dejected. I was like, "What happened? What happened? You get the role? You get the role?" It's, nah, man. It's, ah, man. Most audition too, man. <laughs> He's going to get it. So we got jokes. So that whole time we we're just watching our 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 dreams deferred, our dreams just like sail away. And basically, what happens is we can't stop clowning Common about losing his role, acting with old girl. So we just start mocking Bills, Bills, Bills. And all the in the, the main line in Bills, Bills, Bills is, I don't think you do. So that just became this ongoing joke for 12 hours. Like we play something, no comment, I don't think you got that role. So just we're just going on all day and all day. And then once most gets the role, then we really start mocking him by like Umi mocking says. Umi says by most deaf. My Umi says. So for some reason, James Poyser decided to amalgamate the two songs, Bills, 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 and Umi says. And we did it for like oh, shit. 20 minutes for fun. And the Bilal's like, yo, that's your jam. Right. I like right. that. Right. And we're like, nah, man, it was cool. All right, let's 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 figure out a new song. And no, he's like, no, no, go, 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 go back to what y'all was just doing. And eventually, our mocking of Bills, 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 and Umi says is like one of Bilal's most loved songs sometimes. Yeah. But best Bilal song of all time. Even then, <laughs> that's how that song came out. Yeah, but even then, maybe sixty percent of his vocals. Was this a one? You know, like Steve was our engineer at the time. Like basically, like he just took a fifty-seven mic and was just singing anything i wish i wasn't me and lit right, right. just literally <laughs> that's how that song but it was based on wow common's experience with, with losing with out the most carmen right <laughs> <laughs> it just hit me you're you're directly yeah. what was that like man directing that um just mm. like, doing that like that shit was crazy you, you know I, I like taking on you know chances and trying different things and when MTV approached me about doing a hip hop opera. I was like, "Ooh, that sounds a lot of fun." And uh initially they didn't want Beyoncé. 
because they were like, has she ever acted before? And so there were certain executives that were giving me pushback. So, uh, so, so here's the story. So then um, I have to go to New York to have the audition there. She's doing something in New York. And I say, you know, we'll have her audition at the MTV office in New York, you know, with the big windows and all that stuff. So anyway, she comes in and she comes in with a bodyguard because she's in Destiny's Child and she comes in with some A&R woman. And so when she comes in, I can see she's nervous. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's nervous. And I'm like, I had seen her, I had, I had hosted some event in Cincinnati with Destiny's Child and I go, she's really charismatic that, you know, I didn't know her name either, like Beyonce, but I was like, that girl, the, that one singer is really charismatic. The, you know, I could just tell what the camera likes somebody. So anyway, I go, no, no, she should do it. And it's like, Robert, you know, you want to get an actress, you know, she's never acted before. So, um, so then she shows up, she's nervous. And so I go like, oh man, all the executives, you know, I don't want them to think, you know, they got me on this one. So I go, uh, she goes, yeah, I mean, I, I've never acted before and so on, so on, so on. So, so then I flipped the script. I said to the security, to the bodyguard, I said, you're going to be acting in the scene. And then I said to the A&R woman, you're going to be acting in the scene. And then they got really, Mr. Townsend, I don't act Mr. Townsend. <laughs> you acting today. Right, and so right. then he grabs the script and he's shaking. And then the, the, the uh, A&R woman, she She's nervous. Stephanie? I, I think. I, I can't it's think of Stephanie, her. yes. And so she's nervous, and then I see Beyonce get relaxed. And so then she gets relaxed, and then I, I was like, okay, so we're going to do the scene now, and this is the scene where you get shot, and I go, you get shot in the hip, and you're going to turn around, you're going to spin around, and so on, so on, so on, so And she goes, yeah, let's do it again, let's do it again. <laughs> and, we, and she had those red bottoms on, rolling around the floor in her suit and everything, <laughs> and she goes, I don't care, I don't care about that. And we were doing it again and again and again, and I just remember... I showed this stuff to the studio, and they were like, you're right, she is. I said, she hasn't acted before, but I said, she does her music videos, but this is a hip-hop. And so when we were on set, um, you know, the only thing, the only thing, <laughs> the only thing that got tricky was that she was really a baby. She had never been in a relationship, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. She was a baby that blew up. And so she was concerned about the kiss scene because she had to kiss Makai um, Pfeiffer. And so she would be like, oh, do I really kiss him? I said, well, it's a kiss. You got to kiss him. And so then uh, she was just so shy because yeah. she's a baby. So anyway, so every day she would ask me when we were shooting, is it today? And I says, no, the kiss doesn't happen today. <laughs> she's working every up day. like yeah, she was like, it was like, it's, it's day seven. No, it's not today. You know, day eight. No, it's not today. Day 15, it's today. And she goes, oh. Oh. And so I said, just give me a good kiss. But she is not, you know, I said, I, watch me kiss my hand. And I do the whole hand kiss and I do the whole thing, you know, just to show her because she yeah. wasn't. And so then Makai wasn't helping because he's going like. Right, right. Ready. I cannot Ready. wait. Come on. Come on, girl. Come on. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. And so so then, you know, it, it, went, it was so it was like comedy because then I, I said, kiss him. And she goes. <laughs> and I go, no, 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 no. You got to kiss him a little bit longer. Church, how, like, yeah. Yeah. How, 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 how long, Robert? Like three seconds. Three seconds. And she so is then, counting in her head. And then she's like, 
No, no, no. You got to kiss him. And you know, I said, give me one juicy one and we're out of here. Give me one. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Give me one juicy one. Hey, Rock Nation, don't come after me. That's Sugar Steve talking. (laughs) Yeah, come after me. (laughs) And so she finally does it and then it comes together. But I just remember, you know, like now when I see her, I was like, oh, she has grown. And when I watched her in Cadillac Records, I mean, it's just like, you know, she's just, but I, I saw it back then, even when we were in the studio recording the rap. Did she look at any Dorothy Dandridge stuff, or did anybody even? I think I told her not to because I wasn't trying to compare performances because she she just, you know, I, I could see she was a natural. She just needed, like I said, that little switch of the people acting opposite her made her relax, and then I saw it. And then when we were on set, it was just fun. I wanted to ask you about a project that um, it never came out, not to my knowledge, uh, the Sonny Liston movie that you were working on with Ving Rhames. Oh, it, 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 it was it a very, it, it was a company out of Canada, so it had like a really small release. I'm really proud of that movie. Yeah, Ving man, is a Ving is it, a hell of, let me say this, Ving Rhames is an, an amazing actor and he doesn't get all the respect, mm-hmm. you know. So what happened was I had finished, I worked with him on the film Holiday Heart yeah. with Alfre Woodard mm-hmm. and she got nominated for the Golden Globe for her performance. And Ving, he had just come off of Baby Boy, but then he was playing this gay man. And, I mean, he was just brilliant in it. Brilliant, brilliant. So after we, we got finished with the film, he was he says, hey, man, I'm working on this movie in Canada with this small production company. It's the Sonny Liston. He goes, uh, I don't like this director. I'm spoiled because I, I got to work with you. And, you know, people really love, you know, working, you know, our, our, our chemistry as, as a working team. And so then I flew to Toronto and we shot the movie up there. It's available on DVD, okay, but it's okay. like a small production company out of uh, Toronto. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I saw it. I mean, this has been years ago. Like, I yeah. saw it, but I always wondered why it never, you know. Yeah, because it, I, there was something about, uh, there was stuff going on behind the scenes with the money and I, you know, yeah. with the production company. But uh, I, Ving does an amazing job. No, nah, I enjoyed film. the movie, man. I, Thank I you so wondered. much. No, nah, Thank real. you. Thank can you. you can you talk about the process of Raw? Because the thing is, if someone asks you to shoot a concert film, um, you really can't reinvent the wheel, right? But right. is the pressure on? Is there a pressure on you? Because I mean, by that point, I know that for certain comedians in uh, the '60s, Cosby albums are their north star. Prior albums are, you know, the North Star of, of 70s comedians. And, you know, Delirious was pretty much like people knew it was an instant classic the second it came out. Right. So in your mind, are you like, like, what's what's the planning process for Raw? And, you know, and that, that how did you have the wherewithal to know who Samuel Jackson was or uh, Bud? Oh, uh, Dion, Dion, uh, Richmond, Richmond yeah. I'm about to say Dion, Dion, <laughs> Dion Richmond, or or uh, Ashley, Tatiana, like you have in that opening sketch, like these are established thirty years, right? But see, but you know, you know what it is. It's kind of like I have laser eyes when it comes to casting. Like I, my eyes are like laser focused. So even back then, I'm looking and I can tell when people really have the talent. They really have the gift. And like Sam, um, I just knew he had something special. I could just tell, and and I was like, oh, he can he can improvise, he can do whatever. And then with the kids, uh, 
there's a reason why people are stars. There's a certain look, there's a certain energy, there's a certain frequency. Mm -hmm. So when I'm casting, I cast on people's energy. And so even back then, those baby actors, they had that little spark, and I saw the spark. With Sam, you know, I, I see a lot of actors, and, and some actors are not magical. You know I mean? I'm hard on talent, you know, because, I mean, if, if I've casted right, then they will be perfect for the role if I've done my job. And you don't, you go like, there's something extra going on, like, People don't know that there's extra sauce going on. Like like Baps, for example. Natalie, who played opposite Hallie, mm -hmm. the studios wanted me to cast whatever black actress was on television at that time. And it's like, well, she's hot. She can get on The Tonight Show. She can get on Letterman. She can get on so-and-so and so-and-so. And I was like, no, it's got to be about chemistry. And um, she happened to be in an acting class with Faison Love. And Faison goes, there's this girl that's in my acting class that I think could be perfect for your movie. And I said, you know, I'll meet her at your house. And we did a two hour improv doing all the scenes from the, the film. And so I was like, I finished doing the improv with her and I was like, she's the star. She's the one who's gonna be in the film with Hallie. I called the studio and the studio goes, Robert, Robert, she hasn't made a movie before. You know, what do you mean some unknown with, with Hallie? I said, would you just look at her, please? Just look at her. I think she's, I think she's got something special. So anyway, he says, well, bring her to the callbacks, whatever. So. Um, <laughs> we have the callbacks and I'm scouting locations that day. So I've got the top black actresses from television, movies, theater, all waiting for a callback. Now, I, nothing against any of them, but I need a certain chemistry with, you know, this is Hallie's first real comedy comedy. Yeah. So I'm like, I, she's going to be a fool in it and I need to create a comedy team that we've never seen before. So, um... I get there, Natalie is a nervous wreck, you know, and I see, I come in and I go, hey everybody, thank you guys so much, sorry I was running late, we were scouting, blah, blah, blah. And so then I look at Natalie and she's like, rabbit, <laughs> rabbit, you know, and so I pull her to the side, I say, come here girl, come here. And, she, and she's like, you know, like, I know half these actresses from TV and movies, I, what am I doing here, Robert? What am I doing here? This is a big mistake, I ain't Process never done nothing. So anyway, I said, would you just relax and just be cool? So I said, don't worry about that, do, be who God made you to be. Just walk through that door. So anyway, she walks through. We have we bring all the other actresses in. She walks through the door. The whole time we're sitting behind a table like this. Hallie's on this side. Executives over here. Other people, and uh, Hallie has the script reader read with everybody, and she's just watching and she'll read. You know, blah blah blah. When Natalie comes in, shaking a little bit. She goes, hi y'all. This is my first big audition. Oh, I hope you know. And then. Hallie gets up from behind the desk and walks up and hugs her and says, let's read together. That's what we do. Wow. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person 
anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Okay, so this is what I want to ask you advice-wise. So when my dad taught me how to audition musicians, which is you pick the simplest ballad ever Mm -hmm. and make them audition the easiest ballad ever. Like think of something simple like color my world by like chicago whatever just something very it's almost like chop six level of easy and he tells me and i would say dad why why do we we got more intricate songs in the show like let's audition that he says no he says because a ballad will reveal to me like a musician will fall apart if he can't just do the simple well, task mm-hmm. of you know <laughs> wow, so it's wow, like forget wow. forget the seven all eight the meters and all the feels right. and all of that and yeah. even now like with my group if I present something really intricate, they'll put their mind power to study, you know. But if it's just do nothing mm-hmm. except this every three seconds, mm-hmm. it's the hardest thing in the world. What is the director's equivalent of that in the audition process? Because in about three months, I'm about to go through this process, and I don't know what to look for or cheat codes to they have, they have it, they don't have it. Like, what do you look for when you... Is there a specific go-to? Uh, so, so let me your say bowl this. Of fruit. So, your- so, 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 no, 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 no. I mean, here's the, 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 it's easy. I make it very easy. The first thing is that I don't touch the actors initially. I don't even, you know, I said, let me see your instincts. Let me see how you see the role. Let me just see your instincts. I don't even direct them initially. So then, I, then they'll go like, I want to do, and I just go, relax, breathe, breathe. Like right now, breathe, breathe, mm-hmm. breathe, breathe, relax. <laughs> Take your time, close your eyes, okay? Whatever is stressing you, worried about, get it off of you, shake the energy out, shake it 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 out. Here we go, settle, 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 settle. Do whatever you wanna do. Here we go, and action. So now- I ain't be got no weapon. I ain't be got no weapon. No, but 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 so so once I see their natural instincts, I, I can see if they you know it's kind of like probably with musicians you can see that little magic or little flur or something and you go like oh there's something there. I let them do that and then then I start to play. Then I go, oh, I love what you're doing. Hey, can you do Ain't Be Got No Weapon again? But this time, I want you to put your gla- take your glasses off and put them on and go, Ain't Be Got No Weapon? And then I'll just give them, like, little things to play with. And then I'll just start, you know, it's just, I'll get on their frequency. So part of it is, like, getting on their frequency because it, it depends on the role. Like, uh, oh, I had a scene. There's a movie I did that I'm really proud of, and it was, like, this little film called In the Hive. 
It's okay. with Loretta Devine, and it was uh, Michael Clark Duncan's last movie. Wow. And she was nominated for the NAACP Image Award for Best Actress, and, you know, and the movie was so powerful, and there's scenes with him in there so powerful. We played a scene at his funeral when he passed. Wow. The family was like, could you play this scene because it just showed him. But here's my directing style. I'll give you just a, like a little tidbit. So anyway, there's a young actor. Uh, he's uh, 20 but he hasn't done anything, and he's got this monologue. He's playing a kid that's supposed to be 14, but he's old. he looks really young. So anyway, there's a scene where she, uh, it's based on a true story of this woman in North Carolina who was the, the cook of the school, and when all the, the kids were getting kicked out for drug dealing and gangbanging, she says, I'll take them. Mm -hmm. I'll teach him. And she starts a school with this football player played by uh, Michael Clark Duncan. Duncan. So anyway, the, the kid has a long monologue where he's supposed to break down and cry. And so he couldn't cry for some reason. And, and, and I only do like three takes. I never do more than three, maybe four if the camera has a bobble or something. I only do three takes. And I was up to 12. Ooh. And so the crew is looking at me like, Rob, he ain't going to cry. We are not going to get it. So then, then I have to dig into my bag of tricks. So then I say to him, I said, you're working with Michael Clark Duncan and Loretta Devine and Robert Towns is directing you? I said, who, who is not with us that would be so proud of you right now in this moment? So he goes, my Aunt Betty. And I said, your Aunt Betty. And so I said, you know what? Uh, I said, Loretta, can you come over here? Now, Loretta was on Broadway in Dreamgirls. And so I said, Loretta, can you sing Precious Lord? Oh, Lord. And we're going to do. <laughs> and so she starts to sing, Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand. <laughs> and so I said, we're here at, at Betty's funeral, and she is so proud of her nephew who is working on this movie. Roll cameras, roll cameras, here we go, here we go. <laughs> right, right, right. A camera, let's go, please, here we go. Background, background, here we go. Settle, 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 and action. Now here's the part. He starts doing it, the scene is perfect, he's crying, the whole thing, but this is where it gets messed up. He couldn't stop crying. <laughs> too much. <laughs> he released so hard, he says, I had never cried at her real funeral. He goes, I never released. And I just held him, you know, and so like certain times as a director, because, you know, I have the arsenal, I, I, I felt bad because he got the performance. I got the performance I wanted, but he had never really released at his own. The same thing happened with Natalie Cole when I was working on the Natalie Cole story oh, yeah, about her yeah, life. And yeah. she had a monologue. And I just remember, ugh. She had a monologue because she was talking about her father. It was like Angel on My Shoulder for NBC. Mm -hmm. And so Natalie, she she had this monologue because she was she she's in it, performing in it, and she's also doing the the narration. narration so it, yeah. she goes, My father was such a powerful man. When he would sing his songs, I remember so and so and so and so. And she did it really perfectly. And and that part of my brain where like that extra sauce comes in, I go, I go, oh, you know, I said, you know he really lived. He really lived. And she goes like, oh, oh. And we go behind <laughs> the green screen and she's crying in my arms because she goes, I forgot my father. Because it's all like, Nat King Cole. Right, right, you know, right, yeah. Unforgettable. Yeah. And then she goes like, I said, this moment here is really about you talking about that real man rather than like my father human it was like being, right yeah like if you talked about your father or your yeah. mother whatever you would go my mother you would go like my mother was 
and she released and then we cleaned her makeup up and did the whole thing and then we did it again and it was grounded and it was real but it's like sometimes like like for you if you talk about directing or creating and stuff you got to get on that frequency of the actors the actor was uh the actress was uh <laughs> was that who played her? I, I remember Teresa saying, Randall. Teresa Randall. Teresa Randall. Yeah, man. She how was, was really good. She was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. How, how was it working with her? Wonderful. Well, I mean, you, you, we had so many because she was, you know, it's like when an artist lives a life and you talk about surrounding yourself with good people and there were certain people in her life that were like snakes and took advantage. And so we would have those real conversations, which which breaks your heart because there's con there's a constant learning curve mm -hmm. like you you got to learn this world you got to mm -hmm. learn okay hey so-and-so the business manager okay so-and-so the agent so-and-so my lawyer can I trust them oh my best friend is she really my best friend or does she hate me you know what I mean <laughs> friend of me you know so so you know it's stuff like that that just kind of breaks your heart Man. you have a favorite Natalie Cole song real quick for it. uh inseparable Mine's okay. Lacosta. Look, I was about to say Lacosta. That's, that's, but that's my jam. I love that one too. My mother, I watched that movie. My mother, she, I think we, me and my mom, she watched that movie together. Now I think about it. Natalie Cole was her favorite singer, yeah. and Nat King Cole was my granddad's favorite singer. Oh man, so no, Nat that King was Cole, like yes. again. That was again, man. You really created those moments that like really brought like generations together, man. Like for real. I, I heard uh, a story from Keenan or someone in, in Keenan's family saying that. Initially, did the MPAA board wanted to give Raw an X rating? Yeah, that's true. I do a whole oh. story about that because basically, you asked me like, what was the hardest thing? It, you know, like when you're working on Raw, you got a comedian that's a genius, and Eddie is a genius, and so you, I, I, you know, like I, I talk all the time when I direct. I, you know, when you cast really well, you direct like this. That's all I do. That. If I've cast really well, that's all I do. So Eddie's a master comedian. So you can't really direct him. You can give him notes and make an adjustment. Hey, you could be a little bit more animated when you do that bit. Hey, I'm going to be on your face here. So just give me a little bit of... So I said, you know, but I, you could go a little bit further with the body here. So How many, how many shows did you shoot? Two. Wow. At the Paramount Theater. At the Paramount Theater in Madison, Madison Square. Square Garden. And okay. so we did the two shows. So anyway... We do the two shows. We're all excited, happy. I put my cut together. I show the cut to Keenan. Keenan loves it. We make adjustments. I show it to the studio. The studio loves it. I show it to Eddie. Eddie loves it. Everything is great. We're going to have a big hit. The studio calls back. We got a problem. We got a big problem. We showed it to the ratings board, and they've given it an X rating. You're going to have to recut everything. <laughs> what? And Eddie was like, no, nah, I ain't cutting shit. Bullshit, bullshit. And so then he goes, I ain't cutting nothing. And so then the studio's like, look, Eddie, we can't release an X-rated film. Eddie, they're, they're willing to work with us, Eddie. They're willing to work with us. And so then we have to have this emergency meeting at Eddie's house, and we have the lawyers from Paramount and the lawyers from the ratings board, and they're all around this long table in Eddie's house. And they've counted every curse word in the film. And, you know, he's got a lawyer. There's 72 motherfuckers, 52 bitches, 13 cunts, <laughs> and various and various cocksuckers. So uh, let's begin. And so then, uh, are you taking that motherfucker or are we taking that motherfucker? How many you motherfuckers know? for an R? And, and so right, we, we right. go back and forth. We go back and right. forth and we negotiate and then we finally Wait, get Line down. for line, you guys had to negotiate. Yeah. And then, and then Eddie would get upset. Then Eddie goes like, no, 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 I need that motherfucker. I'll give, give you two bitches and a hoe for that motherfucker. <laughs> and so we go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then he goes, we, we finally have an R. I know this is good. This is good. This is good. We, uh, I think, I think we're almost there. We're almost there. And so they go through the whole thing. 
what is it like to have it and then suddenly you have to dissect and well well you know i mean here's the thing it's part you know the film is called raw and it really was raw he had you know eddie's a genius man he's a genius so there was no filter and it was like but it was like having a front row to watch pure genius i mean he's still that guy he's still that guy so it's like watching pure genius i know this is kind of a ridiculous concept but did anybody Bring up the idea of like a clean version of raw. Like, would, was that even like an option? No. At that point, Eddie was so no. Because see, at that point, Eddie was so far. You know, out, he was like he was a rock star. God. Mm. Yeah, but I'm saying the way you can release a song now that's like a clean version and a and a the, the people ask me all the time, how much did you cut out? And it's like, yeah, we cut out a bunch of stuff, but it was like being a surgeon. Like, okay, take this one out, take that fuck out. Because he did, you know, the Italian guys grabbing their ball. You know, he did. I mean, he was just on some. Just he's a genius. He's a genius. <laughs> but we couldn't. We couldn't do. It would have just been beep 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 beep. Yeah, beep. yeah, yeah. Is there a director's cut in your layer? <sighs> I wish. I wish there there could be a director's cut, but I mean that was so long ago. And then after we went through cutting, 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 you know, it would be a nightmare to try to figure it out. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life. Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. We can go through your entire canon, but we'd be here for 12 yeah, hours. Man. But oh, we got to add the bear. Yeah, oh, I was going to say, oh, you okay. playing A.O.'s father. Like, yeah, man. What, what, is, what is it like? You know, l let me say this. Uh, love it. Nah, man. It it was so, I was so it. happy. Here, here's the thing. Yes, yeah. yes. It is so well written, so well directed, produced, wonderful talent cast. So, you know, it, it, for me, you know, she's she loves me from the parenthood. She was like, that was my show growing up and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And so when they reached out, I was like, I'd love to. And here's the thing. I was watching the show before they even called and said, hey, would you like to be a part of the world? Because it's just so, I, I just like quality, man. 
and it's a quality show. And so I don't know what's going to happen in the next season, but, you know, everybody's, you know, loving it, and I just feel blessed to be a part of it. You're a good dad. Interesting yeah, I, I was going to say, and we, we, we got to get her on the show. Um, yeah. I saw Bottoms this this weekend, and she's like, that's that's a star is, star is born moment. Band camp thing too, right? She got a couple things going. Yeah, on. Yeah, well, she has everything going on, doing stuff with Tyler and all that stuff. But man, I, I you know, <laughs> I know this is going to be one of those things where when you leave, then we're just going to be going oh, back and man, forth. We forgot about this, we right? About exactly. That. About, yeah. Like, did I exhaust everything? You're still teaching at USC. I'm a professor, yes. Okay, and the class is. I'm directing. I'm Mike. You know, let me say. You know, let, let me say this. Uh, I'm tenured at USC uh, oh, directing, and so so let me say this. Um, I think I'm like probably one of the few professors where I have more students in my class than are registered. Yeah, I was about to find uh, out because you can just go sit in. People I, yeah. come oh, and people yeah. sneak in. Yeah, people come. Well, I you know I, the students yeah. you know reach out. Me. They love you know. Here's the thing. Um, you know, it's kind of like, it's like, I want everybody to live their dream. Mm -hmm. And if, and, and, and I, my philosophy is that if you want to direct, write, produce, you can do it. You just got to be willing to go the extra mile. So a lot of the students, I see their hunger, like they want it. And then sometimes there's professors that don't know how to reach them or communicate and, uh, the students that I have, you know, and I and I just feel, I mean, you know, how like when like when you're a kid and you go like, when I grow up, I'm gonna be an actor, a writer, a director, a producer, and a professor. Yes. And I'm literally <laughs> all the things. I'm doing all of it. You know what I mean? And so, so the the, the students, I, I love it when they have their breakthroughs. And so my babies, they're all, you know, are they're my babies, my cinematic babies, and they're having like one of my students, Christian, uh, won the DGA award for a student. And I was like, and, and I work with that boy, and I was just like, he won. And I was like, he's, and he's really good. He's really good. So, so I just feel, I just feel blessed. Speaking of your babies, we got to talk about your baby. Oh, Jesus, Sky. Yeah. Yeah, what is it, what is it like to see her, her level of comedy is frightening to me <laughs> because what she's like, she's, she when she jumps into those characters, yeah, like there's I know people that can jump in the character, especially like I've I've been at Thirty Rock for like 15 years now, and so watching people like the the level of improvisation that like if any of those SNL Fallon like anybody in that stratosphere they get into a circle, they just start improvising like it's the magic like the Harlem Globetrotters like that sort of thing uh -huh. yeah. First of all, are all your children like that? Like they all they all have special. It's a supernatural level watching her do <laughs> well, thank characters. You. And you, you know, you know, here's the thing. You know, it's it's kind of like we are all blessed. And if you walk in your purpose, she's been blessed with a lot of talent. I mean, and yes, on the show, she's showing you her character. She can go so deep. You know, right. like sometimes we, I'm I'm blown away. But she's been doing it since she was little, like she was a baby. Like when we, when I used to take them to school, 
uh, you know, we would play the, we called it the radio game. And I'd be in the car and I'll just change the radio station and whatever the music is. And we go to the different stations. And so if it's French, she'd back there, we'd be going French back and forth. If it was Southern, so good morning. You know, we'd just do characters, <laughs> British, English, if it sounded like the BBC. So, you know, as a baby, she was doing that. So seeing her on the show, we just have these beautiful moments because I, I just want her to like I <laughs> no because at one point I was really hard on her and I said let me stop because I was, I was like, like do I, you give I, notes I, yeah well I, I didn't want to be the 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 Joe Jackson of yeah, impression right, right baby do that voice do that voice again <laughs> Get, you better do that damn voice you better you better do Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz <laughs> you know you you better learn how to do that you know you know so she so the thing is that uh, I pulled back and we just have the best because she'll be working on characters and we'll just play and it's like you know it's, it's like. It's, it's like it's like I got a question for you. Like, as musicians, mm -hmm. like for me, like she has a magical thing that she just, you know, like she just lives in that pocket. Mm -hmm. When you're looking at musicians and artists, do they have to have a level of magic that maybe somebody doesn't see? Is there magic involved? Here's the thing, I possess that magic. Yes, and then you got to be careful and how you use it because one day that magic just wound up being my job. And I didn't realize that even though I channel that magic all the time, I was just, it was to the level was so effort, like Steph Curry, like I could phone it in. I could, right, right. I could talk to you right now and literally do the same performance I did on record. Like that's how it is. The one thing I could say like pre-pandemic was I was not in love with music the way I was in love with it as a kid. Like as a kid, you know, teachers used to play games with me like, okay, name all six Commodores in 20 seconds. Okay, Ronald LaPree, Milo Williams, <laughs> Walter Orange Kings, Lionel Richie, Thomas McClary. Like I was that guy. And then like when my fan base would suddenly like, like approach me and you know you know there'll be an overzealous guy like yeah you know the japanese uh, b-side that you did and da -da -da -da, remix or whatever and i'm not saying i was the guy that was easily annoyed i'm willing to admit now and in hindsight that a lot of my self-deprecation not deserving it like i had to maybe create a character where it's like maybe i felt so guilty for the the positioning that i'm in that i was willing to psychologically disassociate myself so like okay yeah I don't, i'm like no i don't care about this shit. like oh man all right or, and, you know i'll be like okay calm down or thank you just say just say you're a fan and i like i was that person so i actually had to learn how to be vulnerable again in the pandemic because that's the first time in my adult life that i didn't uh do anything like i've been on stage since i was five with my dad and then the roots started in high school and then so I, I, I had to learn how to be vulnerable again and order to like actually love playing music. And it, it, it's, it's a weird thing. Like it, it was a passion, then became a job, then became a burden. Huh. Then it just became, I don't want to do this anymore. It became obligation. Like, all right, they need to pay their rent. So let me, I'll still do this. Uh. But I, when, when you have silence on your hands, like we did with the pandemic, uh, one of the things that my my coach therapist said was like, you know, where, where's the mind state you want to get to? And she suggested to me, like, 
It sounds to me that you were your happiest with music at the age of 11. So I need you to return to that 11 year old. Ooh. And when you're like holding the world on your shoulders, you, you know, you're dismissive. That's you're responsibility. like, oh man, I don't got time to, you know, I, I got I got lives to, you know, take care but of. But that I don't 11 have time year old is why you got that. That's, right. yeah. So yeah. I had to allow myself the, the levity to, to be an 11 year old. So now I'm 11 year old again. Like I would never be this giddy, <laughs> right, nah, 2015. Right. You know, yeah, Robert Townsend on the show. No big too, deal. Uh, Rob, as well, man. Like to your point, you asked him about magic. You know, what I'm saying, is there magic? You know, with musicians. You know, what I'm saying, and there, it absolutely is. And the thing about us, you know, in our craft, that I in my career, you know, going through it, you know, that magic is elusive. You know, what I'm saying, like mm -hmm. magic yes, is. Yes. You feel me? So it's like if you're working on an album, the thing with our crew, we kind of take is like, all right, if I'm working on a record. You're gonna do some records and you're gonna have one record that's a 10. That is like, yo, we bodied this shit. <laughs> fuck you. We clap, like, fuck what you talk about. Fuck your opinion. We clap this shit up, right? Right. If you're lucky, you, I mean, if you get two 10s on an album, oh my God. But like, you're gonna get that one. So for us, the mentality is kind of, to your point, is like, good is the enemy of great. Yes. We've been so, we're so technically good at what we do. We can just pull up and do whatever and it'll be good. Fuck good. Good is the minimum. We trying to get greatness. So if you getting a 10 on one record, you feel me? If yes. you got a 10, it's like, okay, we know that's magic. We know that was, you know, that was our Moby Dick. Okay, we caught him one time. But if we got a 10, we can't have nothing else on this album that's less than an eight because we've shown that we can hit a 10. So you come in here with these six and seven, fuck out of here, bro. Like that ain't... Nah. See, I feel glory, glory. I feel glory, glory. Was your return like of all your verses on all your? That's what I was literally just thinking. I was like, so therefore, Fonte, what would you recommend to Robert as your ten uh, album? What's the what's the one? No, the I listening said. is, and I know for, for you, the listening is almost the, like my things fall apart. Like would you when see? people say things fall apart, I feel like ah oh, man, but I've done other albums that's just great. But I understand it's just the thing that it speaks to the person where they right, at at that where time. they were in their life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What not? What are you saying? What are you saying? What was saying, my so, ten? Yeah, because in my in my mind, I'm thinking Robert might not really know. He he don't know what your ten sound like, and he should probably know. So I'm I would thinking, I, I would like know. to know. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, like a, I got a ten for us. Um, I would say uh, on the little brother side, I think um, our last album made a little watch. That was mm. our first record in like ten years, and we just had. I just developed a skill set, you know as getting older working in tv learning the language of like storytelling because that's essentially for me that's what musicianship is it's all storytelling. yes sir yes sir. and so you know what i mean so working um working in tv writing songs for tv writing songs for sesame street uh doing tv stuff like that really gave me a whole new uh skill set in terms of telling stories and that translated to like my mc and the songwriting so i would say made up washington um Leave it all behind, which is the record I did uh, with my other group, Foreign Exchange R and B group. We would now Grammy nominated. Would, would you send me all this stuff? Yes. Would you send me the yes. music? Yes. 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 I would say the perfect gateway drug. He's also being modest and can't be a fan of something he's a part of, but what he represents is kind of like. Okay, so Drake has went on record to say that that's his hero. So Fonte came along in a period in which when the internet and social media and the blogosphere was becoming the standard, mm -hmm. like for you, it was pounding the pavement, going to these brick and mortar, yes, comedy sir. houses, whatever. Whereas now you can get a whole career based on this machine. 
He's the first person to really take advantage of what this device had to offer in terms of he's made albums with people he's never met yet in other countries. Yeah, the uh, record I did, uh, Foreign Exchange, my, my, uh, my partner, Nicolet, um, at the time, uh, he was living in the Netherlands and I was in North Carolina in Durham. And so we were just on AIM. We were on Instant Messenger and we would just send tracks through Instant Messenger and we completed the whole album. We didn't meet until the album was finished, like in person. You know, and it's not just a record. It's, 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 it's an artistic it's, piece. It's, yeah, it's I mean, a classic album. Yeah. So, but yeah, the listening. Please, I mean, please send it to me. Please, no, I'll send you the listening. Yeah. I'll put it up there. I'll connect the album. I'll send you stuff. But I say all that to say, man, you really hearing your story. Like I don't think you understand, man. Like you lit a fire. Whether you recognize you do or not, you lit a fire under like uh, so many black creators and black yeah. artists that were like, yo, we not waiting. Fuck waiting. We not waiting on somebody <laughs> to give us a chance. We not waiting. We going to make the shit we want to make and figure it out how we going to do it. And I think now, you know, I mean, a Robert Townsend in 2023, you know what I'm saying, a, a, a young guy. There's so many tools now that, you know, you really don't need them to some degree. I mean, unless you're trying to make, you know, fucking something with Iron Man in it, then yeah. But if you're just trying to tell a story that's true to you, if you know how to make it and you got your people, and I really like what you said about how, you know, when Amir was asking about the actors, and it was like, yo, it was my word. Like, that is the exact same way we run it, bro. It's like everybody gets paid. You're going to be compensated. You're going to be shown that you're valued for your time. But if you can't if you can't take a person that they were they signature don't mean yes shit. sir yes sir so, you know what I mean so it was just you really lit a fire under us man and like watching Hollywood shuffle like I showed that to my kids my boys are twenty two and seventeen like I showed them that movie and they laugh at it you know what I mean mm -hmm. so you know what I mean so um, I just you again inspiration I can't is too small of a word like you were a fucking and are a blueprint for us thank yeah. you so much thank you so much thank, thank you so you. much thank you so much i, I don't want to take it away you I take, I no no you, you 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 gave the final thing he's an aquarius he can't take all these compliments <laughs> I, I, I accept compliments wait Talk about robert oh you're an aquarian too i'm aquarius too. of course you are <laughs> february 6th what is yours what is yours january 20th Oh, okay. Yes. Wait, I'm right now making the the obligatory phone call that i have to do whenever we do a classic episode He's not going to pick up. <laughs> Obviously, he better pick up. You? <laughs> Jimmy. Ah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So you know, okay. So he's not going to pick up. Uh, whenever we do an exemplary classic episode of Quest Love Supreme, I have to let Jimmy Jam know that he's going down a rank. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's been. You better stop. He's it's been. Better. He's it been took him six hours. We did that with him for six yeah, hours. Jimmy Jam was a six. It was supposed to be ninety minutes. It wanted to be six, three yes. episodes. Jimmy, but then the oh, family right. stand right. came in and did the most unexpected episode of all time. <laughs> this, this to me, I'm willing to say this is probably the, the episode I needed. Yeah. Nah, we all need we it. All. Oh, for real. This yeah. was, this Jimmy Jam is now in third place. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, Jimmy Jam. Jam. Control yeah. is still a great album. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It wasn't the bold, the black, and the beautiful. Oh, like, right. Come on, man. Like, hold on. One of my favorite scenes I have to do is for... Come on, man. We left you alone thinking you was going to leave that drinking and drug shit before. <laughs> we left you alone thinking you was going to calm down. Like, yo, Harry Lennox. Like, Harry that is Lennox. A, bro. Oh. Like, I love that scene, thank man. You. Oh, thank you. Oh, Hawthorne James. God, just the actors, man. Um, Hawthorne uh, James. Oh, my God. Big Red, like. No, oh, he, Big he, Red, he, yeah. No, he, I saw him doing Shakespeare at the uh He does Shakespeare? I can see that. Oh, yeah. I can see that. He yeah. was doing Macbeth. And he he was, I think, not master, you know, and I was like, yeah. this guy could be a bad guy, really good. You know, I mean, he's 
No, he's a brilliant actor. Nah, your eye for talent, man. It's like, seriously, like, we, nah, we salute you, bro. Unpaid Bill, you missed a masterpiece today. Man, listen. I cannot wait to gloat. (laughs) Are you still in contact with Anne Marie? Because we're looking for her to give her some flowers, too. Uh, I, I haven't talked to her, but I can get, you know, because she did. We just, uh, they just released Hollywood Shuffle on the Criterion Collection. Yes, they did. And they did yes, a whole did. thing yeah. uh, with Anne Marie. So I can reach out. So yeah, yes. I can get the, okay. I can get you her number. Well, on behalf of Fontigolo, Sugar Steve, Laia, and Unpaid Bill, bruh, I'm sorry. Yo, Robert, that one episode of Mash Man. Robert Town, you ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. We'll see you on the next go round of Quest Love Supreme. Thank, thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Questlove Supreme. This podcast is hosted by Amir Questlove Thompson, Laia St. Clair, Fonte Coleman, Sugar Steve Mandel, and myself, Unpaid Phil Sherman. The executive producers are Amir, just walked into the goddamn room, Thompson, Sean G., and Brian Calhoun. Produced by Brittany Benjamin, Jake Payne, and Laia St. Clair. Edited by Alex Conroy. I know Alex Conroy. Produced for iHeart by Noel Brown and Mike John. Auto engineering by Graham Gibson at iHeart's LA studio. Thank you very much. Much Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.